DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. You hear him Saturday mornings on the Zone Sports Network. Talking golf with Bob Casper. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Brian, good morning. It is a good morning, guys. And uh, so happy for Tony getting that win yesterday. I think all of Utah was rooting for him. It's been a long time coming. I wasn't. Yeah, you were. John Rahm's a sun devil, man. I take my sun devil allegiance way serious. It's life and death for me. Sorry, Tony. Well, guess what? Your sun devil wasn't exactly in the picture. He's world number one, and he fell off uncharacteristically. And uh, Tony went out there and got it done. So it came down to Tony and an Aussie. I would think at that point in time you were squarely rooting for Tony. What about my connection to Joe Ingles? <laughs> wow, has he been stretching this all morning, PK? Yeah, he really has. Okay, all right. No, I was well, rooting I'm glad for football Tony. Starting soon. Me too. No, you have no but idea. Thankfully for Tony, winning when he won. No, I was definitely pulling for Tony. Absolutely, it was great to see. We all know his backstory. So the way I looked at it, though, you know, even when he lost that playoff in L.A. Uh, earlier in the year, I wasn't. I was disappointed for him in the moment. But he's got bigger aspirations than winning the LA Open, so I I didn't think it was a crushing blow because I thought it was only a matter of time, and it's great that he got it, that he won this one. It's a big deal, too, playing on Monday uh, in literally in the shadow of uh, the New York City skyline with a lot of big names playing there. But I still think he's got bigger aspirations than even this. No, I think it's a really good point. You know, he in L.A., it, it was crushing um, to not get that done in the playoff. He got a bit unlucky, really. I mean, he, he alluded to it in his post-round interview about how, you know, he hasn't really felt like he played all that bad. He shot 64 to get into that playoff Riviera. Riviera is not an easy golf course. And so to shoot 64 on Sunday to get into that playoff and look – Homa, what did he miss it under a tree on the par? Was it the par three? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like he was dead, and he got a good break where he was able to get a shot up there and make par. And Tony doesn't get it up and down. I mean, he, look, that's golf. Uh, just to give you an example, John Rom, right? He shared the thirty-six hole lead with Tony Finau. Both of them were leading going into the weekend, and John Rom, the number one player in the world, is now zero for five in converting thirty-six hole leads on tour. Golf is hard, and and to your point, Tony's got. Bigger aspirations, I think, if he had had he won the L.A. Open, not only would that get the monkey off his back, it would be great for him, but that, that's not his goal, to your point. It's not his goal to win the L.A. Open. It's not his goal to win the Northern Trust. He's squarely in position to win the FedEx Cup and the $10 million that goes along with it and all of that. But, you know, he's looking forward to those four big events next year, right. you know, where he's played so well in major championships and top ten and been in a final group at the Masters. He knows he's got so much talent, elite talent, and sometimes it just has to all come together. 31 years old. Certainly not too late for him to go on a terror and, uh, and make his mark in golf. And all that's true, but don't you think it just helps to win in that line of thinking and people bringing it up, get it out of your own brain. I won. That field was loaded with plenty of good golfers. Justin Tom- Thomas was top 10. Uh, Kevin Na was top 10. Rom was right there. So I beat these guys, and those are the guys he's, I mean, you never know, but those are the guys he's most likely to see in a major, too. So now he's done it. There's no doubt about it, DJ. And, and uh, Tony always talks about his belief, and he says you have to believe in yourself. And to be able to not have to answer the question, when are you going to win again? And even he said hopefully we'll have to wait five more years. 
Um, you know, it, it, it is big. I think it's big for the psyche. But to believe, I think that's what we love watching in sports, isn't it? And, and then oftentimes it's a team game where you've got to have everybody come together. There's no one else to come together in golf. You're, you're out there on an island. You're all by yourself. As Tony said yesterday, it's hard to fail in front of the world. It's hard to lose, I believe was the term, sorry. It's hard to lose in front of the world. And, um, it, you know, that, it's, a, it's a micro um, scope right there on top of you, and, and you have to hit the shots. And Cam Smith, I mean, think about how Cam Smith's feeling. Tony knows how he's feeling a little bit, right? I mean, Cam Smith was an was a eight-footer away from a 59, you know, just a couple of days earlier and has already won this year, is one of the best putters on tour, and, and he just the driver has been a struggle for him, and under the pressure he completely hits it out of bounds. I mean, that's, I don't think there's anywhere in his mind he thought that was going out of bounds. And so, um, you know, for Tony to, to step up there in the clutch, I mean, let's just look at his back nine, right? He entered the final round two back, but he turned it on on the back nine, stuffed it on 12, eagle on 13, birdie at 14, great par save on 15, adds another at 16, and then the clutch up and down at 18. I, I mean, I don't know, how, for, a, for a final nine, 30, that, that is just some great, great playing, as he said, chasing the number one player in the world in John Rahm and, and doing what he needed to do, and then hitting the clutch tee shot on 18 as well and putting the pressure on Cam Smith. So I love it. Uh, he gets into the top six now uh, for Ryder Cup, so he'll make it automatically. No captain's picks needed. Um, so it's just a, it's, a great, it's, it's a great story for Tony, great timing. And, and, and that's what you love to watch in sports, going back to the beginning of my comment, is how guys are able to battle adversity and then overcome it. It's inspiring for all of us in the little battles that we have in our own lives, not on as big of a stage as what we see these sports heroes do. And, and uh, it, it was awesome to watch. Really, really happy for Tony. Especially, there's two things I want to get to you with, but I'll get to the first one now and then circle back. Especially in his situation, because if you look at golf, by and large, it is the guys who succeed are the ones who come from some degree of wealth. There's very few Lee Trevinos and Tony Finau's who didn't come from much, virtually came from nothing at all, and made their way. It's somewhat of a country club sport, and you see it at the high school level. The teams that have the country club in the high school boundaries tend to be really good at golf because they're playing at a young age and they have all these opportunities presented in front of them. And Tony didn't have any of that. We all know his story. So it becomes even more inspiring for those, so many of them, including myself when I was a kid, who didn't come from any degree of wealth. And it sends the message that work at it, my friends, whatever it might be, and you have the opportunity to succeed. I'm inspired. Let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Man. Yeah. It's, it's like, so it's like a Monday morning. Let's go get it. Let's make that sale. Let's close that deal. There you go. Way to go, PK, man. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> close that sale. ABC, always be closing, Brian. There you always go. Exactly. be closing. Hey, I was curious about the, uh, you know, just the fact that this tournament got to 20 under. Does it, does the PGA Tour want. If not a major, you know, not everybody has to go crazy like the USGA is and hold everybody to even par, but 20 under, good grief. I mean, the yeah. two guys in the playoffs, neither guy had a round in the 70s. Well, look, <clears throat> we talk about this on the show quite a bit with the caddy, but you give the best players in the world a soft golf course and perfect putting surfaces, and you can't, there's nothing you can do. doesn't matter how long the golf course is. doesn't matter how deep the bunkers are. You know, they are just going to light it up. I mean, look at Tony hits a six iron, two nineteen into thirteen, the par five, and just absolutely stuck it to what three, four feet, and knocks that in for eagle. I mean, you just you, you 
the, the great equalizer in, in the game is not distance. It's firm, fast greens. And that is the only way that you can put pressure on these guys. And then you got to grow a little rough up because to hopefully take some of the spin off the shots that they're going into those firm, fast greens. So when you've got a hurricane that drops nine inches of rain, they were, I mean, that grounds crew pulled up a miracle just to get the golf course ready to play. So hats off to them. Um, really awesome that they were able to do that, but that golf course had no chance. And so Tony knew that. That's why he knew he needed to get to 20 and he had to put the pedal down. And yeah, are you going to see normally back nine on Sunday, in this case, Monday, you know, final round, you know, finishes? Not, not normally, but again, uh, it's an outdoor sport. Sometimes you get the baked out, you know, really tough conditions where holding on for par is good. And in this case, it was just, you know, forget about it. These guys are, especially when, when you're on like Tony's on, uh, he, he's going to light it up. Now, here's where I depart from you guys, and I think after I say what I say, you'll agree with me once again that I'm right and you're wrong, and that this doesn't take the pressure off Tony. If anything, it increases the pressure on Tony because you're really good. You had all these close opportunities to win golf tournaments. You didn't get it done. Now you got it done, and we expect more. We're much as given, much as uh, as expected as you guys know, you church-going dudes that you are. So with that in mind that it doesn't decrease anything. It just increases. And when he tees it up next week and whenever, and the next year when we get to April, he's going to expect be expected to not only contend but to win, which is a great thing. You want that, and that's what he's got. Well, you know, it, it's where much is given, much is uh, required, I think, is actually the, uh, the church-going term. But we'll throw expected in there. For uh, I mean, term. I get to the building, but I don't ever go in. Right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, um, so d- does that ramp up the pressure? It's interesting because Tony, in his mind, if you listen to his comments, he hasn't changed his expectations one iota. So does it add more pressure where he becomes one of the favorites? I would, I would suggest that he has been one of the favorites going into all of the majors over the last several years. And if anything, he was starting to, I guess, fall out of that limelight, if you will. And, and I think Tony's a guy that thrives on it. You know, I think the fact that he played in the final group of the 2019 Masters with the greatest player maybe ever, certainly of this generation, in Tiger Woods, and got to see a firsthand look at how Tiger went on to win his 15th major. I mean, that that's invaluable experience, and he loved being there in the moment. And other than the shot he hit into the water on 12, he matched Tiger shot for shot down the stretch at Augusta National. So he knows he can do, he can do it. I don't think he's afraid of the moment. I don't think the pressure is going to be too great for him. I just think it's going to be – I think – Players will take confidence off of being back in those premier groups. And I've been watching Tony over the last, over this whole year, actually. If you look at it, he's, he's suddenly not in those premier groups anymore. The guys he's being paired with in the first couple of rounds aren't the Justin Thomases and the John Roms. It's the, I don't want to call them B players, but certainly A minus players. And so with this win and being number one in the FedEx Cup, and by the way, with just, just a three tournament series in the FedEx Cup now, he's in great position to win that. The, the whole thing. Um, should he go on to become the FedEx Cup champ and play well in the Ryder Cup and all that, right? He is going to be in those premier groups. He'll be the darling. Everybody loves Tony. It's hard not to love Tony. Yeah. And now that he's winning, it's just going to, his popularity is going to go through the roof. I think his confidence goes right there with it. And, and I'm probably more on the side that we've got floodgates opening as opposed to in, increased pressure that's going to make it more difficult for him. Well, then all is well. Well, we got to ask the question, man. Utes, Utes or Cougars, everyone is trying to claim him. Everybody loves a winner. Kyle says, well, I don't want to tell you what Kyle says. Yach, play for him what Kyle says. It's a Ute. 
One more time. <laughs> he's a you. Yeah, he's a you. He comes to all their games. But there's video of Kalani celebrating, watching, uh, watching him win. So, you or Cougar, what do you think? I answered that question on your Twitter account already, by the way. Oh, good and I answered it. I'll answer it again on the air. He's Utah. He's all of us. He's he he no, he is no. red. He's blue. He's jazz purple. Cop out. He is cop he out. Is all of us, and cop. we all can relish in what Tony Fino no, no, does no, no, as no. a person and as an athlete. You can 100%. only be a Ute or a Cougar. You can't Not be true. both. Get out of town, Brian. If you Come didn't on. The school and you didn't play for the school. You represent all of us, and you know what. Right now, more than any, I know you. I know that I, I get it. It doesn't play the game on sports radio, but no. now more than ever, no. we need guys like Tony to bring us all together, yo. No, Tom, you're on, wrong. He's me. wrong. He's wrong. Tom get Hagen. Tom Hagen tweets at us. If only there was something in his PGA bio to clear this. Tom up. Hagen. Yeah, the consulary. Exactly. <laughs> no, but Brian, on, Brian, my friend, I'll prove that you're wrong because. You are an elected official. I represent it. We're going to reunite the country. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. You're a Democrat or you're a Republican. You're a Ute and a Cougar. And that's an excellent example because we all know the Democrats go to Utah and all the Republicans go to BYU. If you're going to lump politics into our sports talk, I think we're not going to tune in anymore. Sorry, man. Come on. You're killing me here. Well, I'm a political animal and I don't make any apologies for it. (laughs) We don't. We turn into DJ and PK because we don't want to listen to politics, man. We want sports. We want good stuff. Go back to that motivational speech. You wanted me to go close the deal earlier. I like that PK. All right, but what are you going to be wearing? You going to be a BYU entrepreneur or going to be a sociology major from Utah? Wow! Look at the stereotypes. <laughs> Just dropping them right and left. Just dropping. Hey, okay. All right. So I'll feed into your point. I had a chance to go down to the Utah Open last week, and uh, speaking of BYU entrepreneurs, Ryan Smith spent some time with the media, and interestingly enough, talked for about five minutes on Tony being an elite player right before he goes on to win. So, uh, so that's he knew. Cool. So he knew. He knew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's. I think he's played with Tony several times, right? Yeah. The eighth item. In his personal bio at the PJ Tour website, favorite teams are the Los Angeles Lakers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Utah Utes, and the USC Trojans. Oh, there, that settles it. He's a Ute. There it is. Although he lives in Scottsdale now, so we'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to turn him against USC and Utah? Yeah. That level of mediocrity? Come on now. Oh, listen to him. Oh, oh boy. You, oh, no. boy, do, we do. own a 6-3 and three record against you since you've been in the conference there, big guy. Is that true? Is that true? No, that's just six a fact. Three? I don't know if it's true, but it's a fact. <laughs> you will love this, and you know who said it too, Brian. We had a producer, and I don't know, I don't know what was said. Something was said, and the producer said, and that's a true fact. <laughs> And we have never forgotten that. That was hilarious. We burst out laughing and producer. What? What? A true fact? As opposed to the other kind? A political fact. I think they're going back to PK. Wrap it all up there. There it is. Yeah. All right. right. Well, thanks for coming on and chatting about Tony's win. And uh, we will catch up with you again around the Ryder Cup, probably. Absolutely. And yes. Uh, and by the way, go youth. I'm excited. I'm, I'm a youth fan, but uh, not a hater. And uh, I'm sure Tony's uh, all about... Uh, his brother Kalani down there as well. So, uh, good stuff. We'll look forward to the Ryder Cup, and hopefully Tony's hosting the hoisting that uh, Tiffany Crystal coming up here in two weeks. That'd be pretty sweet. Mm, yeah, ten million bucks that goes with it.
<laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Appreciate hey, you having me thanks, on. Thanks, Brian. Brian Taylor and Bob Cast will be on Saturday morning. Real Golf Radio here on the Zone Sports Network. The Ryder Cup starts one month from today. I do agree with Brian that it increases his profile even more. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but I also think it increases the pressure. But he, the pressure is an outside thing. It's nothing that he needs to worry about. But when they tee it up, especially if he wins this playoff spiel and gets the $10 million, he's now virtually a household name. And to be a household name, you got to have one of the big four alongside you. The best golfer never to win a major. Yeah, that's not a bad title because that means you're obscenely rich and you play golf for a living. So you know, think at it from our perspective, but those guys want to win. But it creates a little more pressure. It does. Absolutely. Because there's a little bit of, hey, you really ought to be getting this done going there. And I think he will get it done. Well, because he's still, what, 31? That's so, what Brian said. I right. So he's got that. another, you got to figure, you never know injuries and all that kind of stuff, but it stands a reason. At least five. Years. Oh yeah, I was going to say another thirty majors, but I'm just minimally at least five years. So that's I was thinking more ten, which would be forty. Fine, fine. So thirty splits the difference. You may not be healthy for all of them. Yeah, we've already watched you pop your ankle out and horrify. He's tough. He's poly tough, brother. He also wasn't going to win. He doesn't go to the doctors. You know, well, we won't even get into it. I diagnosed this as a dislocated angle. He'll Bang! Turn, he'll turn 32 on September 14th. Okay, so, so he's the same age as Taysom Hill. Think about that. So he'll be 32 and a half when the Masters starts. Correct. Basically, uh, that's pri- he's prime. That's prime. 32 is not even close to. Uh, this is not the NFL here uh, when you're you know, starting on the, especially you're a running back or what have you. So I expect him to not only contend because he's already done that. I expect him to win. Absolutely, I expect him to win. We all do. <laughs> Tom, Tom just tweeted a picture of, uh, that's the conciliary from now on, Tom Hagen. Uh, just tweeted a picture of, uh, of Tony on the sideline at Rice Eccles. And there's some dude mugging for the camera in the first row. Classic. Behind Tony? Yeah. Tony's on the, uh, looks like he's on the sideline. You know, I know he's standing on the 25 So someone's taking whatever. a picture of him and somebody. Yeah, Tony's looking right into the camera and smiling. And somebody's photobombing? It looks what? like, um, well, essentially, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not like standing right behind Tony because, you know, on the sideline, it looks like Tony's on the sideline and someone else would be in the end zone. Uh-huh. And they're kind of shooting diagonally across that. And then there's, uh, and there's a guy ma- <laughs> making a face. He looks like he's, he's probably 35 or 40, but he's making a face like he's a 12-year-old because he realizes, oh, they're taking a picture of Tony. I'm probably in it. So. He's a ute, man. Mark Harlan tweeted yesterday when Tony won, let's go with about six O's and an exclamation point. All right, there. I sent that. Uh, I retweeted that photo. You can see it for yourself. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Covered a lot of ground this morning, and we will get you up to speed next. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON on your home of 
the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. When you take the field two weeks from now against BYU, what, what can Arizona fans expect to see out a there win. from this team? A win against BYU first game, Raider Stadium. Start the season off right, get the energy up, come back, got a nice game. I know some people view that as uh, bulletin board material and trash talk, but you're a linebacker and you expect to win a game. And he had another quote about playing physical. What else are the Wildcats supposed to say? We talked Wildcat football with Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. Your big takeaway from talking to him. I'm furious that he would think that. If I'm a Cougar, I'm going to not allow that to happen to the best of my ability. Uh, There's new energy. And so they knew. Hey, listen, someone drove the thing into the ground, so you need to come in here and pump it up. It's like when Bronco got the job. Hey, we had more rests than we had wins, so you need to infuse what BYU's about, a la Jeffrey T. Holland yesterday, apparently. This is what BYU's about. What's his middle name, R? Uh, R. Jeffrey R. Holland. That's right. You said that. My bad. Jeffrey R. Holland gave a talk. I guess it's viewed as controversial. Bronco was told, infuse what we're about into the program, and he put religion into it at a high level. And I'm sure the Arizona folks told Jed Fish, hey, rally the troops, man. Be open, be accepting, and all this stuff. And and so he's got everybody excited. And he hired a couple of Wildcats. Oh, my gosh, can you believe that? He hired Wildcats onto the staff. These are guys. They know how to get it done in Tucson. We're back, baby. <laughs> I can just totally feel it. Here's the boosters and the season ticket holders. is getting all fired Dick up. Dick Tomey's smiling from the great beyond. Yeah, now you're doing it right. And there has to be a certain amount of bounce back. I mean, they lost 12 in a row. But they wouldn't have a 12-game losing streak if they'd had. This goes to your point about last year's season was, I mean, it was football. Everybody's wearing pads and helmets, and the rules are the same. But it wasn't anything close to a normal season. They would have snapped that losing streak. They would have had a money game, and they would have won it. Uh, for the Pac-12, other conferences, it was close. Uh, but for the Pac-12, it wasn't. Well, even the SEC didn't have money games. I mean, they played 10 league games. Every game's a money game for them. Yeah, <laughs> They're cashing in one way or the other, but especially for the Pac-12. Uh, so he's brought a breath of fresh air. That's great. Uh, what does it mean? And they go out and get worked 40-7 to 7 in the short term. It doesn't mean anything. But I think that it seems like it's a good hire. You never know. And the, the, the individual needs time to develop a program. And the great thing about it is if he does it, he'll be gone anyway. Yeah, staying in Tucson. Read his resume. He's worked literally in every corner of the country. Yeah. He's, he's a Jersey guy who's with the Patriots. He's been in L.A. He coached at Florida. He's been everywhere. He's going to be the Giants head coach. Yeah, Bill Parcells. Move over, baby. There's a new legend in town. They've got history with Jersey guys. They do. That they do. Uncle Bill being number one. <laughs> who are the other Jersey guys who've coached them? I don't know all their coaches. Well, him especially. Uh, who's the other Who guy? else matters at that point? Was that guy was Tom at, Coughlin won a Super Bowl with him. Where's and, he from? And did you hear about Tom Coughlin? He's an uh, editorial in the New York Times how he is uh, taking care of his uh, wife now who has major, major health issues. It's very touching. Nothing could prepare me for watching my wife slip away. Yeah, they just, I think they published it today, actually. Yeah. Uh, Six hours ago. And I saw it. And Tom Coughlin was viewed as a real tough guy. 
I think that he was Gary Croton's mentor at Boston College. He's from Waterloo, New York. Yeah, so he was, you know, the Marine type of guy. Mm-hmm. Who's the other guy that uh, worked under Parcells, was a Notre Dame coach, had the weight issue, Charlie Weiss? Yeah. He's a Jersey guy, too. Uh, Dan Quinn, Falcons was. Uh, so there's there's been there's been a bunch of them out there. Parcells, of course, being the best. So if he gets it going, he'll be hired away. I would think so. I, I think he'll get it going to a degree. I believe that the Cats will have their day under this guy. Well, all BYU fans care about is that they don't have their day in the opener. Mm-hmm. And you fans hope that they do have their day, but then don't have it down the road. <laughs> right. That's what's great about this year's schedule is the Utes and Cougars play so many common opponents and play each other. So that ought to keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really will. And that's I've often said for BYU, they should try to schedule as many Pac-12 games as possible. If there's any way that they could recreate five, it would be excellent. And then three or four Mountain West. They already have two, obviously, with the Aggies and a Boise State. Uh, I would have no problem. San Diego State, Colorado State, whoever it might be. Vegas. Fresno. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Have any of those teams. And then that still leaves them two or three or maybe four where they want to go around the country and bring their product to the northeast, the southeast, wherever it might be. I think that that's ideal. I think next year it's uh, two and three. Two Pac-12 teams and three Mountain West teams. Yeah. So they got Oregon and Stanford next year. Uh, unfortunately, both on the road, not at home. No Pac-12 coming in next year. Utes are off the schedule for a couple years. So... All right, so we spoke with uh, Greg Hansen about uh, Arizona, where they're trying to ramp up his interest. He thought there'd be about 20,000 Wildcat fans. I'd be surprised there'd be that many. That seemed like and a And I also number. think there'll be more than 25. He said 25,000 Cougar fans. That seemed on the low end. You're in Vegas. 35 and 15 for 50 little, grand? Little Provo. Uh, yeah, I can see that. You know, Our Cougar fans packed the place. 45,000. Well, I don't know how much it seats, so I don't know what pack I think it's is. at 60, but I'm not positive. Yeah. So I got in the back of my mind. Okay. Fiesta Bowl cut a deal with Caesars Entertainment. First partnership between a college bowl game and a sports betting company. Sports betting set to become legal in Arizona on September 9th. Could you bet on sports when you went to the... Um, uh, the uh, like tribal casinos and no. that kind of stuff, or no? There was no sports betting there. No, they did not have the traditional sports, sports book. book. They have TVs all over the place. You know, you're sitting there playing cards or whatever. You can watch games. Yeah. That's common. That that's. But they had no. I've been to several of those those casinos. Uh, not to gamble. I'm not a gambler, but to meet my family, who are gamblers. <laughs> and then we'd go get something to eat, or we just hook up there wherever it might be. I've been to. Probably four or five of them, and there's no sports books. And, and I say, go ahead and do it, man. Go ahead. Like we had Mark Anderson on yesterday, and I've always believed this. Don't run from Vegas. Embrace in Vegas, because Vegas is the one place where everything is monitored. Anything that comes in that's unusual, boom. It's immediately red flagged and checked out. 
Because the house would lose <laughs> money, and they are not interested in that. And it, well, it's their industry; yeah. they can't afford no, they to can't. have things that are fixed. It just that ruins the entire industry of what they're about. So, as far as gambling goes, you should be embracing Vegas because that's where it's the most monitored. I never understood that line of thinking. We've got to run from this. No. No, because well, it's not like if you run from it, it's being eliminated. In the last 25 years, everything has changed. From you got to be careful where the college basketball tournament is being played to the NHL is there, the NFL is there, Major League Baseball is flirting, whether it's just leverage to get a stadium out of Oakland or whether they're really going to get one in Las Vegas. Mark had his doubts about another funded stadium there. Yeah, I'm surprised that they got this much because I kind of thought it would stay the way it was, but I always thought that pro places and organizations and leagues and whatnot should embrace it, not worry about any illegal activity because everything is questioned and reviewed, and it's so hard to get away with anything there, anything. I mean, they they can sniff out the, the card sharks and all that stuff in the games, and they just don't mess around there, man. There's a lot of money at stake. For sure. So there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. And there's not only eyes in the sky, but there's eyes on the eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the last place that you can try any funny business and get away with it. Ocean's Eleven aside. (laughs) (laughs) Although Ocean's Eleven did a good job of letting you know that there's always somebody watching. Yeah, the thought I, that you can outsmart them. Good luck, but that I, was for fun. And I got to admit, I'm a sucker for those movies. All three of them? Well, four of them now. Well, that type of movie, oh, not yeah, literally yeah. those movies. Yeah, but no, yes, eleven. Those, eleven was the best. I've watched them all, but eleven was the best. Fine, but I'm a sucker for those movies. I, I those types of things, or you know, the Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible's, or. Daniel Craig's uh, James Bond. I can never follow the storyline, but... <laughs> it's not necessarily the point. Hold on, something will blow up in a yeah, minute. Yeah, <laughs> I want things that are chase scenes and jumping off buildings and all that stuff. Give me that How stuff many times any you, day of the week. You love The Godfather. How many times do you have to watch that before you had the whole... Uh, every side plot? Because there's a lot of side plots. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that I fully get all the stuff. Like, I watch The Sopranos. I, I've watched every single episode... But the and I never watched The Sopranos for the actual uh, shenanigans of the mm. mafia. I just watched it because they talk about going to Turtleback Zoo. If you ever watched it, well, Turtleback Zoo is where I went, and it was a big treat because you got on the turtles and you got on the Turtleback Zoo. That's why they call it Turtleback. These massive turtles, and when you're a young kid, you sit on the, the turtles. Turtle. And so they would talk about all those places that I had been. Home, baby. Yeah, but all that. Intricate. After you uh, moved into the witness protection program, all, in Arizona. The, all that other stuff. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was evolved around it, but I, I was a kid, and I certainly was never involved in any of. It, but I'm aware of. I mean, I had, I've had relatives who have uh, gone away. They've gone away. They've done time. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, but I, I never did any of that stuff as as a kid. No, I was too young. Not, not to say if I was older, I would have been. Uh, uh, the, I, I don't. I don't think I would have been a made man. Let's put it that way. 
Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. The Jazzy Ute just tweeted out, props to Utah for being the only P5 team in college football to play at two G5 stadiums this year. Well, no, that's not true. That's a, that's a shot at two schools, or at least an well, attempted that's shot. That's not true. Carson Soccer Stadium is not a G5 stadium. Not for this year it is. No, it's not. It's a temporary home. <laughs> G5. That's not. What's the other G5? That would be BYU. They're not a G5. I know. <laughs> He's calling them a G5. It's well, you can call them whatever they want, but they're not. What are they? Independent, free-floating, undefined. Isn't Notre Dame a G5 then? Notre Dame is not a G5. They're independent. They are. So, who was? where was the shot? He called before, he, as a, He's a youth fan. And okay, but is he ripping the Utes for playing a crappy non-league schedule? That's what I'm he, saying. I think he is, and I think he's also ripping BYU for, you know, being BYU because he's a Ute. Oh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> he actually would encourage that. But I didn't know if it was also fine. a shot it, at— it, I, I don't know. All I know is I read the twi- yeah. tweet, but that's how I took it. I took it as a shot at both. Well, don't be reading the twit. Yeah, I'm like Joe Ingles. If you screw up, you know, when uh, who won said something about farted— Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Joe, of course, wouldn't let that. Well, I don't know who fought it. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna let that slide, Joe? Absolutely not. I would take all the fun out of life. I plan on having as much fun as possible. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Cameron tweets in, Tony Fina was a huge Laker fan and then changed his allegiance to the Jazz. There's plenty of room for our favorite golfer in Cougar Nation, and we've already seen his successful fanhood repentance. Okay. Hashtag go Cougs. So if it comes down to Western Conference Finals, and it'd be awesome, Lakers, Jazz, <laughs> yes. are we sure Tony is going Jazz? I know uh, I am, but that's for selfish interest. What's Tony doing? I don't know. We'd have to see. He, he shows up courtside. That he was completely switched over because of Ryan Smith. Great. How, how do you do that? Yeah, I that's what I'm know saying. How, you do, how do you? If you I, see, I, I can't put myself in that position. I can't because there's no pro team that I have been a fan my whole life. Okay, but I I, I grew up in San Diego going to Padre games, and I could never announce I am a Giants right, fan. So that's what I'm saying. I am a Mets fan. So I you do can it. speak to it. I, I a zero percent chance I can do that. Okay, but how about if you had? Certainly, if you had a child, a boy who ends up being a big league player, you could. You would absolutely root for your kid at but whatever team, college they went to. And we've seen plenty of examples here of, course. of people so who there's grew no up question on that. Cougars and then flipped to the other school. and were like, Well, the Coveys are doing it I'm, now. Yeah. And Zach Wilson's parents just did it, right? They were Utes. Yes, yes, yeah. Right. I don't know what and their I, feeling is towards uh, Utah now. 
I mean, they could still root for but both because you only play each other one time. I would absolutely be going to the, okay, but the rival stadium and root for my a, kid even if they played for and the rival. How about if you had a super close friend who ends up buying the team of all things? Well, that's a great friend to have, by the way, but uh, <laughs> I can't really put myself in that place. I don't know. I don't have anyone like that. I assume okay. I assume if one of my college buddies fell into that kind of money and bought a team, then I would root for that team because I've been friends with them for years. But would you lose your allegiance for the Padres, though? No. Yeah, see, that would be interesting. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So does Tony still have any feeling for the Lakers because he's been a I, Laker fan? I, would, I assume he does. I would guarantee he does. I, I can't see how you wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. You I would. St- I've never had that right. myself. I've never rooted from birth to now for a single pro team. Never. Yeah, PK, growing up, you guys know I grew up here in the state. The Jazz were my team. I could not imagine saying I'm a Supersonics fan or... Right. Insert NBA team here. But how about if one of your buddy's sons played? I think on that I team? think that might change the dynamic, though. Yeah. No, he doesn't own the team. For, there's 30 <laughs> people. I mean, that doesn't happen. <laughs> right. But it could happen. It's against all odds. Well, you're big. You're tight with pace. And his. Oh, I was son, gonna. I was gonna root for Nico to do well wherever he went. But would you root for that team? I know you'd root I, for the individual. I guess I, that, that's. I would absolutely root for the individual. Suppose the Warriors really, last year played the San Diego if, Rockets. If you <laughs> San Diego Rockets, is that what they were called? Yeah, there was a San Diego Rockets. Right, right. Yeah. That's Pat what Riley played for them. Of all yeah. the, that'd be he and Elvin Hayes would be the two famous people who. Well, Rudy Tomjanovich, I think, played for him too. So I guess they had a few guys going through. Well, didn't there. Bill Walton? Or were they with the Clippers? They were the Clippers with Bill Walton. That was so the San Diego Rockets. Their owner didn't have enough money. Oh, so they left, and so he and had to sell. And then the Clippers them. were another the team. They weren't the same. They were team. only in San Diego like three or four years. Okay, and the owner ran out of money, so he sold them, and, and those owners moved them to Houston. Okay, and then the the Clippers came in. I don't know. Were they the Clippers? Did they stay the Clippers? They had been Buffalo Braves, I think. I know, but when they, they were changed, San, when they're in San Diego, they were the Clippers, Clippers in San Diego. Yeah, they, they were the became, San Diego Clippers. And then, they, and they, and then he didn't want to, you know, pay for new uniforms or anything. <laughs> he still said Clippers on him, so don't change the letterhead. Well, Clippers is a cool name. Uh, it works. I mean, it's, yeah. And people are sailing in, I got in both cities. It works. It's yeah. fine. Not that it matters if it works. Utah Jazz, Los Angeles Lakers, eh, whatever. Memphis Grizzlies. Phoenix Suns. <laughs> that one very Wait, much that works. works. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Diamondbacks. That works. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow.